Good morning, everyone, and welcome to ASL's Candidate Question Time. My name's Sarah, and shortly I will be joined by Jason Perry, who is the Managing Director at ASL Recruitment, an HR specialist, and also a Fellow of the Chartered Institute of Personnel and Development. So if you have any questions regarding your rights at work, how COVID rules are changing and how it's going to affect you as a worker, then this is the place to ask those questions. So without further ado, I'm going to introduce Jason now. So hello, Jason, are you there? Good morning, Sarah. It's nice to be to be Jane'd with you. Yes, sorry. <laughs> Having trouble with my worms again. Clearly. <laughs> <clears throat> so Jason, we have a, a, a bit of a change going on. We we do. Look, um, I'm conscious that we started these sessions um, just over a year ago, I think, um, really because there was so much new rules, so much confusion. People didn't understand what furlough meant, what their self-isolation was going to mean to them and so on. And we tried to provide people with a bit of clarity, a bit of help in understanding what was going on. Generally, these have been really useful to a lot of people, but the good news is we seem to be coming towards the end of the worst stages of this COVID crisis. And in response to that, I just don't think there's the kind of need for uh, a COVID advice session, a COVID candidate question and answer session um, so often. So. I'm going to suggest we end these. Today's will be our last COVID candidate question time. Um, we will replace it in due course because it's proved a really good way to help people to engage with them and to offer information. So we will replace it, but I just don't think there's a need to quite be doing things so often in the same kind of style. Indeed. So, <clears throat> excuse me, in some respects, that's actually a good thing because it means that we're uh, everybody's getting a little more used to the situation, but the situation's stabilised and therefore people don't need us quite as much as they used to. Do you know, the world is looking a much better place. Um, the very fact that before doing this this morning, I was able to go to the gym and have a swim, which two weeks ago I couldn't do, tells you how the world is kind of getting better. We're going out and about more. We can meet people outside. And in just a couple of weeks, we've got another relaxation going on on the 17th of May. Um, it's getting better. Case numbers are incredibly low. The vaccine strategy is working really well. Um, and I, I don't think we're going to see the same scale of problems again. We may see another blip on the horizon, the third wave, but I don't think it's going to be anything like what we saw in November, December, January. So the level of response, the level of change to employment law, whether it's furlough or isolating, I think we've moved beyond most of that now. And people can start thinking about their futures again and rebuilding their you know, career plans. And we can be looking at something much more positive and no longer totally focused on COVID. Indeed. So speaking of relaxing the rules, we've got another um sort of a milestone in the relaxation of the rules coming up um i think it's the 17th of may we have indeed we, we've got two more of these 17th of may things ease slightly um if i've understood it correctly i think we're allowed to have a beer inside a pub from the 17th of may things like that start to change a little bit there's a small change on the numbers um, the really big one to look forward to is still the 21st of june and 21st of june broadly speaking is normal world again end of restrictions is what we're expecting 
Um, so are we expecting people to go back to work at that point? Yes, is the answer. Um, I, it, clarity will be given in May. We're expecting an announcement and a review somewhere around the 17th of May, which will provide clarity from what happens in June. We have seen many businesses gradually ease people back into work already. The advice I'm giving employers is don't, it's too early. Um, at ASL, that lovely building behind you, we still only have one person in it most of the time because that's how we keep it COVID safe. And we're continuing to work from home incredibly effectively. Um, and we're going to do that, I think, till June at the moment. And that's the advice we're offering people. Okay. <clears throat> so that's actually something that people are going to really kind of have to be aware of as well. Um, a lot of people have not had to be up and in an office uh, and, and back into that kind of routine in more than a year now. Uh, so that's going to, that's actually going to bring some significant, well, there could potentially be some kind of impact, certainly in terms of adjustment and mental health, really. Do you know, I, I think it's the people with commutes that are going to be challenging and what's going to happen going forward. Um, I was talking to somebody the other day who um, commutes from Hastings to Brighton every day. And having had a year off that commute, you kind of know it's going to be a bit of a shock when you have to start doing that again. And I guess the question is, what are we going to see? Are people going to go back to office working or are we going to have hybrid working? And my own feeling is we're going to have a mix. What I'm mm. expecting is to see a lot of employers picking around 50 to 60 percent of time in the office, but with an ability for people to work from home some of the time. Yeah, well, we've proved that it can it can be done. But actually, there are some figures out that have shown that uh, people are feeling the pressure of working from home. There and this are. maybe comes down to a trust issue, uh, you know, being seen to be doing the right thing. Or there was quite a scary statistic about something like um, homeworking staff doing six hours of unpaid time per week. Yes. Sorry, unpaid overtime per week yes. in, um, in 2020. I mean, that's nearly a full day. Well, I, I kind of think there's a couple of things going on here, one of which is all about the culture of how people are being managed. And there are people who are feeling a need to keep their computer systems logged in to show that they're there. So whereas before they might have got into the office at, at 8.30 in the morning, that's their start time, now they feel a need to log in at 20 past 8 to their computer so, because they know potentially people are watching and monitoring the times they're working. So people are leaving systems logged in and feeling under slightly more pressure. And that's one part of the problem. Um, I think the other side of this, and I'm a little more sympathetic, is so many employers have been under huge financial pressure over the past year. And I know this hurts workers, employees as well. But whilst employers are fighting for financial survival, I think in some cases, Sarah, it's been harder to put the overtime in place if people are doing a little bit more because just covering the normal is difficult. Mm. And I suspect that's a secondary element there that's not being as thought about when that's being reported. Mm. Um, actually, quite interestingly as well, apparently sickness rates have also been falling for homeworking staff. Um, mm. And presumably that's partly because we haven't been mixing as much and therefore we're not giving each other our chance, well, you know, just cold germs and stuff as well. We, we seem to have escaped the flu this year, don't we? Um, and I think that's all because we're, we, we, well, individuals, <laughs> individuals may have got it, but influenza has not had a significant outbreak this year. Um, and largely that's because people are busy, I don't know, coughing into their elbows or whatever, rather than 
across the room of people. We're not socialising in the same way. Um, and we've demonstrated by taking sensible precautions, we can have an impact, not just on COVID, but on colds and flu. So yes, people have been better. Um, the issues we've had this year largely have been mental health issues and the stresses of what people are dealing with. Indeed. Um, it'd be interesting to see as well whether or not when we all start going back into the office a little, a little whether or not um, <clears throat> there will still be the same kind of people have an expectation. Oh, it's just a cold. I really do have to go to work. Whereas most people are in the office are like, please don't. Yeah. Um, and whether or not that attitude will change now. Well, my own feeling, and again, we've got different types of workers, haven't we? There are people who simply can't work from home and many of them. But if you've got, so I, I know our team now, I'm quite confident that if somebody said, do you know, I'm not feeling very well, I think I'm going to work from home today, that is going to be perfectly acceptable in the new world. And I think that's something that COVID has changed. And, mm. do you know, if rather than taking a day's sick leave or somebody coming in and coughing over all their colleagues, um, somebody contributes from home with their mobile phone and their laptop and actually still delivers worthwhile work, I think that's a good thing for business moving forward. I do. Well, I think we'll see fewer sickness days as a result. Very much so. And, and, and less sickness too. But uh, anyway, so sorry, just um, just to kind of go on again with the uh, working from home issue and the fact that people are purportedly working longer hours for unpaid or whatever. Um, there's this whole issue now around the right to disconnect. Yes, there's... Um... It's a proposal come um, from, if I recall correctly, it's either a union or a think tank that have asked for um, a piece of law to enable employees to turn off their communications. Um, and effectively, it's saying, Sarah, you've had a hard week. Um, you can turn your mobile phone off or disconnect your work email from your mobile phone over the weekend so you don't get interrupted. The ability when you take a holiday not to find emails or text messages pop up on your phone and let go of arguably your social media or your, your LinkedIn stream or something. Um, and it has caused people additional stresses where they have felt so compelled to respond when something happens. Whereas doing it tomorrow is okay. Doing it when you're back at work is okay. And I think we need to see a change in culture from employers um, or there will be something like that type of law heading into play. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's uh, and, and probably a, a good thing too, because that's not going to impact people's mental health particularly positively either, if they're finding that at 10 o'clock at night they're responding to work emails. Yes, yes. I mean, it's always something that's affected very senior people. Um, you know, I, I've worked in a variety of places in HR, and I've remembered getting calls in the middle of the night when I'm not on call, you wouldn't expect that in my world, maybe because there's been an accident in a factory somewhere and somebody's been injured or perhaps because there's been a sexual harassment and somebody, you know, you need a response. And there are certain ways in which that's always going to happen. And some people at senior level will need to be contacted. But arguably, you don't need to be responding to work emails at eight or nine o'clock at night. You can do it at nine o'clock in the morning when your workday starts again. And that, that's kind of the change we have to get back to, I think. Absolutely. OK, so um, I would like to touch on this government consultation. Um, there's a five week consultation and it's about mandatory vaccinations. There is indeed. Um, a few weeks ago when I, I, you know, I said I 
two months ago probably, um, there's a line that hit the media of no jab, no job. And it started with Pimlico Plumbers. Mm -hmm. um, and it moved on to, I think it's Barchester Healthcare, if I remember rightly, then adopted it. And we've got a couple of employers who, who were effectively saying, if you didn't have the vaccine, there wasn't a place for you to work here. And my advice was, and broadly continues to be, it's very dangerous territory. It's potentially illegal. It's potentially discriminatory. There are legitimate reasons why somebody might not have the vaccine. It might be they have a health condition that means they shouldn't take it. Somebody who's pregnant shouldn't have the vaccine. Um, and equally, given the vaccines being rolled out on age grounds, um, I'm delighted I had mine last week, but, um, do you know, there are younger people out there who simply haven't had it and aren't going to have it for a little while. So choosing who you employ based on whether or not they've actually had a needle in the arm yet is difficult. Yes. Now, initially, that was how it looked. The government have started to talk about whether it would be okay for people in healthcare and in the care sector to have to have a vaccine, for it to become compulsory. Just like, for example, doctors have to have, I think it's a hepatitis B vaccine in order to practice. And the logic is very simply, you don't want your doctor spreading disease, um, which seems perfectly rational. Um, but what we're now talking about is a, a review into the care sector. We had huge amounts of deaths in care homes early on in this crisis. And they're talking about actually allowing it to be mandatory for people working in the care sector to have the vaccine in order to have a job. We'll watch with interest what happens. But yes, you're right, there's a five-week review. My, the cynic in me thinks by the time we have the review, um, we might be past the worst of COVID and it might be a bit of a non-issue. Issue, absolutely. Okay, alrighty. So that's actually, believe it or not, all we have time for. So uh, I would like to say thank you, Jason. It's been a pleasure doing these with you. Indeed, it has. Uh, they have been great and really useful to so many people. Some of the comments we've had come in and some of the questions come in to the team or to me, I know they've been helping. Um, so we will replace them with something else. Um, just watch this space and we'll announce it soon. But I, I think a, a regular COVID advice session, COVID hopefully is going to be in the past and we don't need in quite the same way. A bit of a non-issue. <laughs> okay, so thank you very much to everybody at home who's been watching us um, and for all your support over the last year or so. Um, if you do have any questions for the team ASL, you can get hold of them either by phoning 01424 452 or email the team at hastings at aslgroup.co.uk. But for now, this is me and Jason signing off. So thank you, Jason. Thank you, Sarah. See you and soon. Thank you. Bye-bye.